Welcome to Mommy Diary, the podcast. I'm your host, Angela Kim. I'm a creative, lifestyle blogger, and mom of four. This podcast is all about honest stories of motherhood and real conversations with real mothers just like you. Unlike my Instagram account, not everything will be beautiful. I promise to be vulnerable and share stories of all the struggles and the incredible moments we all share as women and mothers. So do me a favor and screenshot this episode, add it to your IG stories, then tag me at Mommy Diary. I'd love to feature you on my Insta stories. We're all in this together, mamas. Let's dive into the show. Hi, friends. Welcome to Mommy Diary, the podcast. Today's guest is Rachel Ree, and she is a dear friend of mine. Rachel is also a wellness coach, creator of The Dimple Life, an online guide to healthier living, and the founder of You Are Here, a digital community that provides wellness support for women. As a cancer survivor, Rachel's mission is to help women educate themselves on the importance of living well, mind, body, and soul. She's a community builder and creates wellness experiences around Los Angeles to open up conversations around fertility, hormones, self-care, and other areas that affect women today. She shares her journey from living a high-stress corporate lifestyle to leading a life filled with more purpose and passion. And here is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us on Mommy Diary, the podcast. You are my second guest, and I am so excited that you're here today. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. So just to give you a little background to the listeners, um, Rachel and I are in real life friends. We met at events a few times. and I just loved her energy, her smile, and I just really resonated with her purpose and what her brand is about. So I want to just let you talk about your background and why you began your blog and your community. So my Instagram started um, about maybe 2016. It's at Just Dimple It. And people always ask, what does Just Dimple It mean? And it's always been about trying to find your smile, trying to find your happy in those moments where you feel down. And about around that time when I started it, I was really at a place where I was lacking self-confidence, self-motivation, self-worth, all of these things that I feel like over time I lost within myself. And so I wanted a place to be able to document that was creative, you know, one good thing that I was doing for myself every day, whether it was a workout um, or it was making a healthy meal, whatever that looked like, I was all about kind of documenting that to kind of keep myself accountable. Um, And then over time, it sort of grew into this community of other like-minded people who also felt the same of like just wanting to be a little bit better, wanting to cultivate a healthier mindset and a healthier lifestyle. Okay, great. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're right. Like I, even when I, well, I think of, when I think of just dimple it, I think of your dimples. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps that I have dimples. <laughs> so it, it kind of came from that too, but there's In case you a, don't yeah. know, Rachel has these really beautiful dimples on her face and it's just like, you can see it clearly when she smiles. <laughs> so from your blog and your community, it's really clear that you have this mission to help other women and to connect with this community who are centered around wellness. So before that, you were you had a job at a corporate management company or yes. you're a corporate management consultant. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you made the switch, your fears behind it, and what prompted you to just finally make the decision? Definitely. I mean, so I was working at a global management consulting firm and it was really high stress, a lot of client deliverables. There was a lot of travel. So it was kind of that typical consulting lifestyle where I was getting on a plane every Monday at 6am and coming back home every Thursday at like 9pm. And it was sort of rinse and repeat like that for a couple of years. And at first it was really exciting and there were so many different perks and I was working with really awesome clients. But over time, it started to wear on my body. So I noticed that my health was sort of deteriorating. And I also was noticing that my mental health was really suffering as well. You know, I would start crying at work or I would cry going into the office. I just wasn't feeling that joy and that fulfillment. And for me, whether it was in my management consulting job or it was in jobs previous to that, having joy at work or feeling like I had a larger purpose in being there, that's always been something that has been really important to me. And I started to feel like 
there was more. There was something more that I could be doing with my life um, outside of consulting. And that's another reason why I started to kind of delve into more health and wellness in a professional sense, because I could see that in my personal life, I was thriving more. I was building my self-confidence. I was building my self-worth. I was building healthier habits and practices for myself. And I wanted to lean into that more because I felt like I was alive and there was sort of a light that was igniting inside of me. And so I decided to get a health and wellness certification to become a wellness coach because I wanted to be able to help other women feel the same as I do in terms of finding their purpose, finding their worth and finding more health and wellness and well-being in their lives. So nowadays, uh, you know, I hear a lot about life coaches, wellness coaches, but for the average listener, like myself included, we're not really clear on what that looks like, what we can expect, what type of woman at what point in our journey should be seeking a life or wellness coach. And can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like, what type of um, support you provide and what we can expect? Sure. Um, there are so many different lifestyle relationship coaches, mindset coaches, wellness coaches. So it really kind of just depends on what your needs are. But if you take a look at your life and you feel like you could be more, whether it is you could find a more purposeful, purpose-driven life in terms of your career, or if you feel like you could have um, healthier relationships and you want to cultivate your relationships. So there's definitely different coaches, depending on what your needs are. I specifically love working with women who are interested in bettering their well-being. So whether that is through a huge thing for me is building resilience and building healthier mindset habits and practices for yourself. Because I've gone through a few things in my life where I feel like I've had to really build up that resilience and understand the tools that I have inside to be able to bring me out into a more positive life and a positive mindset. And so I love working with other women who feel the same. I love that story. And I can totally relate to the importance of resilience in women nowadays. Um, I, I'm sure you know, a part of my story, I became a young mom, I have a special needs child, I suffer from postpartum depression, and anxiety, a lot of difficult situations you can face as a as a mother, and I still go through it today. But I do credit that resilience. Um, it was a simple, I mean, I wouldn't say simple, it's a very complex mind, mindset shift, which now seems simpler, because I've had, I did a lot of work, and I've had years of practice. And I'm sure it would have been so much easier if I had someone like you to guide me. And that's part of what I want to do for not just moms, but the younger generation of women as they transition from their career to motherhood, because it's one of the most transformative points in everyone's lives that I think gets overlooked a lot. Um, We don't talk about it enough. You know, women, we dream about the wedding dress, the wedding planning, and what our future babies are going to look like. But we really, like, don't give enough attention to the very, like, complex and and often, like, dramatic emotions that a woman may face as she transitions from um, a career woman to a mother. And I know you've kind of um, made that transition in a different way. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. About you freezing your eggs and what prompted you to, you know, to decide that it's such a, a courageous and a smart decision. Thank you. Um, so me coming to the conclusion of freezing my eggs is kind of a years long journey. I remember I first got the idea in my head when I heard it somehow when I was in my late 20s and I'm in my 30s now. But at that time, when I talked to my doctor, the doctor said, you know, you've got so much time, you don't have to worry about it don't even think about it. So I didn't. And then back in 2018, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. And at that time, after going through the recovery of everything, and we can talk a little bit more about that later, but 
after going through that, I really started to think about what is most important to me. What do I actually want in my life? Because when you're faced with such a huge health scare, you start to question your mortality and you start to question, you know, what is the kind of life that I want to live and build for myself? And children has always been a part of the picture for me. So I knew that even though I'm single, I don't have a partner that I would want to have children with. I didn't want that to necessarily stop the process in me thinking about my fertility. So I decided that what I wanted um, as an outcome for my life, as well as my age and being in my 30s. So both of these two things prompted me really to, you know, just say, hey, I think it's time. I'm ready. I feel emotionally ready and I'm physically ready now to feel like I can take on all the hormones and all the things that you need to do in order to prep your body to freeze your eggs, I feel like I'm ready. So that's kind of how I came up with that conclusion. So I have a few friends who's gone through the IVF journey, and I think that looks a little different than just freezing your eggs, but I know it requires a lot of hormones and um, drugs and injections. I don't know if injection was part of your process. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that process looks like? Because I know this is something that a lot of women may think about and they may hear about, but it's really hard to find like real life experience for someone who went through this. Can you please give us a little more insight to how that looks like? Yeah, I would say it's actually pretty similar to IVF in that you prep your body to maximize sort of the eggs that are that are inside, right? So with IVF, you actually have sperm as well. And so then that's how you, you fertilize, right? But with egg freezing, it's just the egg that you are wanting to prep your body for. So there's a lot of injections. Um, there's a lot of doctor's visits. You have to get very comfortable with your team of doctors and nurses because you'll be going in um, very frequently for ultrasounds. And it's not the ultrasounds that you see on TV or that you think of where there's, you know, jelly on your belly and things like that. Um, It's actually transvaginal ultrasounds. So they will stick something inside of you so that they're able to see how many follicles you have, how many eggs you have and um, measure the size of everything because the timing of everything is very important within the egg freezing process. So everything is timed with your cycle you know, when you start your period and where you are in terms of the the size of your follicles and things like that. So that kind of determines how much medication you need and when you need to go see the doctor next. So my next question is, how long was the process from beginning to the end? And are, are there any tips on like how to find the right doctor? Like when, when do you know? So is it just a one-time process? Like when do you know when you're done with the entire process? Is it when you get a certain amount of eggs? So it's not really dependent on the number of eggs because that's going to be different based off of everyone's body and their, their age, you know, and all kinds of different factors, right? But it has to do with the size of your follicles. So it has to reach a certain centimeter. And I don't want to misspeak in terms of what that actual uh, dimension is, but it does have to grow to a specific size. And towards the end of it, because you're so pumped up full of hormones, you'll actually feel your follicles. Like it will actually feel like you have little oranges inside of your, inside of your stomach. So yeah, you kind of have to make a lot of adjustments in terms of your physical activity as well. You're not able to, to do any ab workouts. You're not able to jump around. You just kind of won't feel like it either because you'll always kind of feel a little full, um, because your hormones have pumped up your body so much with, you know, to get your follicles to a certain size. But I would say that when it comes to actually determining your fertility clinic team, it's really important to have great communication. So go in for a consultation and you will know exactly if that team is right for you. I talked to a couple and I ended up going with CCRM and they actually have locations all around the country. And what was really important to me was that I had a great rapport and a great a lot of communication, whether it was email or phone with my nurse. I would sometimes be on the phone with my nurse for 45 minutes, an hour, and I don't know any 
medical uh, professional in my past anyway, who's wanted to talk to me for that long, but they realized that, you know, this is a big step. It's a completely foreign uh, procedure that I've never had experience in. So naturally, I'm going to have a lot of questions. So they were really great in terms of giving me that space and the time to be able to ask all the questions that I wanted. So I would say that was something that was really important to me. And then also just from like a kind of financial aspect, freezing your eggs. um, And I think a lot of times with just fertility costs in general, a lot of times employers don't necessarily cover that or insurance doesn't cover that. So make sure that you find out what all the costs are upfront. And the main cost, at least in my experience, was actually the cost of all the medication. There are some hormones that you'll get and it's like one injection is $1,000. So it definitely adds up depending on how much medication you'll need. So I would find out um, kind of ballpark how much things cost from all the different specialty pharmacies and see if your fertility clinic actually provides any discounts with any of the pharmacies because that makes a huge difference. My clinic in particular had a relationship with one specialty pharmacy and it brought the cost down from like a thousand to like 300. So it definitely makes a difference. So it's not something that you should take lightly and go with like the first clinic that you find Do your research first um, before you kind of make that commitment. That's really great feedback. So it's not all about the procedure. It's a lot about the medication, the cost of that, that can really add up. So um, I was following your Insta story while you're going through this journey and you're, I think you were traveling. Were you traveling? This? Yeah, yeah. So I actually, so CCRM, because they have locations all over, I actually ended up going to their Denver location because I was working with, so I had a meeting with the founder of CCRM, which was really cool. And I just kind of wanted to meet him and I wanted to kind of understand his energy, his background, and all of that. And that kind of just made me feel a lot more comfortable. I ended up just going out to Denver and I'm also at a place right now just for. I guess to throw in a little personal tidbit is I'm in a place right now where I don't necessarily feel super tied down to Los Angeles where I currently live. Um, I'm really open to exploring other areas of the country. So that was kind of another incentive for, for going that route. Yeah, I can totally see you as like more of a free spirited soul. Like there's so much you can offer elsewhere. So yeah, definitely. I can see that in your future too. But um, I saw you and it was very like impactful kind of seeing you sharing your experience with your followers and you're in this hotel room alone. And I really wonder like what the emotions were like. It must have been hard. You're on this journey alone. Not to say that IVF is any less lonely, but often these women have partners who are in this process together. But for you, you're doing this all by yourself. Like, what were your emotions like? And were there any things that really helped you to stay grounded during this time? Yeah, I would definitely say that I think going through any kind of medical procedure, anything to do with health, I think can get really lonely when you're doing it by yourself. And I think just compounding that with the hormones that I was on, it definitely impacted my mental health. I would find myself really emotional over small things, big things, a lot of things. And I didn't necessarily have a good grasp on how to sort of like rein it in because a lot of it was hormonal. But there were definitely moments where I just kind of did a a bit of self-reflection. And if I'm being totally honest, I kind of felt like, wow, I'm at this place in my life where I don't have a partner. Um, My life is not anywhere where I thought it would be when I was you know, in my mid twenties and here I'm in my mid thirties and it just looks so different than what I had imagined. Um, so there was that, that moment for me where I kind of felt a bit of just sadness and loneliness when it, when I was thinking about, you know, the whole process and going through everything all by myself. But at the same time, you know, when you're given certain circumstances, or if your life doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would, like a lot of it, I feel like has to do with, okay, well, 
this is my current state of what my life looks like now. What can I actually do with it? And how can I turn this into a positive moment for myself and for the people around me? And so that's why I really wanted to open up and share my story around freezing my eggs because you're right. Like it's not a topic that I think a lot of people talk about. And I just wanted to be able to shed some light on an area that people might be questioning. And I wanted to be able to bring that awareness and education wherever I could. That's so great. And, you know, this is so interesting because I know for a single woman without a partner to go through this must be such like an emotional and lonely and a sad journey. But on the flip side of that, a lot of new moms may experience similar feelings even with the partner. Um, that was my my personal experience where I really couldn't connect with my partner with my emotions because a lot of it is very maternal, very female emotions that a lot of men can't really understand. They don't have the language to really like process that, especially in today's generation. I think men are kind of taught not to be so emotional. So they lack the understanding of how emotional women can be, especially when they're loaded with hormones. So that disconnect definitely exists in um a, you know in partnerships as well that can bring like another layer of loneliness so when i hear your story i almost feel like it's so amazing that you went through this alone because i think you're so much more equipped with this feeling that when you go into a partnership you're going to be such a better partner than like i was um going in because i was so clueless i didn't know how to feel lonely and i didn't know how to deal with these feelings and and these you know heavy emotions that I it was my load to bear at the time like that was my part of my journey even though I have a partner I couldn't rely on him to fix things for me it was something that I had to overcome myself and when I hear your story it's so amazing because I think you're doing that work now so you are so ready like to (laughs) to even be a healthier partner when you meet your significant other and whoever he is he's such a lucky person thank you and yeah I just also want to say like you know, doing something alone doesn't necessarily mean that I didn't have support. So I definitely reached out to girlfriends who have gone through IVF or even just friends who had an open ear. I think it's just really important to to utilize and lean on the support that you do have. So while I might not necessarily have a partner who I can like, you know, talk to about this, it's almost, it was almost better that I had girlfriends that I could talk to because they're the ones that physically know what this is like. So I could lean on the right types of people. That's so true. And I think part of that, it makes you, you have to be vulnerable, like to be able to lean in to your girlfriends or your support system. And I think that's a lot of, um, that's a big problem that a lot of women nowadays have is to be vulnerable, even with their loved ones, even with their family members, even with their girlfriends. And that's what I find amazing about your story, Rachel, is that your vulnerability and your openness really comes off as courage. Like you, I I don't, when I see you, I don't see like a vulnerable person. I see this really strong, brave female figure that I would love to learn from. And you're so inspiring. And I see that. And I really wish the listeners can feel that as well, that sometimes sharing your story and going through things alone and leaning into other people for support is not a sign of weakness. It's really a sign of courage. And um, that's what we're meant to do. We're all meant to connect with each other. And this is how we connect with our very honest and vulnerable stories. I think without this, our connection can feel very like lonely, fake, superficial, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, even right now, as people are kind of navigating a different sort of worlds that we're all living in, um, I think it's just so important to be able to reach out to people and say, you're feeling sad or you're feeling lonely, or just express being able to express what your needs are, I think is so important for us to feel whole and uh, for us to feel like we're a part of a larger community. And we're not in this alone, whatever the this is for you. And this is like, this was not a part of my questions, but I really feel the need to ask you this. I think, you know, you're a blogger, an influencer, I'm not sure how I feel about that term. But you know, you have a community, you're a creator, 
And I think now there's a shift in the mindset, not just for creatives, but for the audience where we want to hear real life stories. There is this value and authenticity. And I think it was always there, but through COVID and all of these, you know, people are, you know, losing jobs and they're their life as they knew it is kind of turned upside down. Now there's a greater need for people like you who are willing to inspire, not just through pretty photos and, you know, amazing trips and these amazing experiences. It's through, you know, these very ordinary, but very important and impactful stories. And I'm so appreciative that you serve as like a voice of that. I want to ask you about your journey with cancer. Um, I know that that's part of your story. Um, you talk about it briefly, but if you can just kind of go over from the beginning to the end, like what that looked like and yeah, just give us some insight as to how that made you stronger and how that built resilience for you. Yeah. Um, so back in 2018, kind of just the timeline of what everything looked like. I remember feeling it was in the summer, late summer. I remember feeling very tired and low energy and I was thinking, you know, I was out at the beach, it was summer, it was hot, so maybe that's why I was low energy. And so I remember I would take like two, three hour long naps. And when I would wake up, I just still would not feel rested. So something was definitely underlying and going on with me, but it wasn't until actually one morning. Fortunately, I was over at my parents' house, so I wasn't alone in this, but I remember one morning waking up and I just had excruciating stomach pain and lower back pain. And I remember going to the restroom and, you know, for full like TMI, I guess. But um, when I got up from the, from the toilet, I looked down and the whole toilet bowl was red with blood. And it was just so shocking. But at that time, I still didn't question that maybe something was wrong because I actually had lost my period for three years. I didn't have a period. And I thought maybe this was just my period coming back and it was just coming on really strong. And that's why I was getting the lower back pain and the stomach aches and things like that. But then just two seconds later, I was still in the bathroom and I started just profusely sweating. And it was like I had taken three spin classes back to back and I was just dripping sweat. And I just knew at that time something was definitely wrong. So I ended up going to urgent care. And when urgent care told me that, oh, it's probably just kidney stones, I didn't really think too much of it. But they said, oh, I'm going to have to send you to the ER. And when I went to the ER, they took a CT scan of, of me and they didn't come back for two, three, four hours. I was in there pretty much all day. And the doctor finally came into the little area that I was in, in the emergency room. And the doctor asked me if I had any history of any cancer in my family. And nothing really clicked for me when she asked me that. But I just said, nope no, there's no, there's no history. And she said, well, we're going to have to keep you overnight so that you can do some more testing and we can monitor you um, and make sure everything is okay. And I still didn't understand what was going on. So I said, well, let me just go home and I'll schedule an appointment for next week. And she's like, no, you, you don't get it. Um, you need to stay here and we need to do more tests on you. So it was kind of a reality check for me uh, when they wanted to admit me overnight. So they ended up doing another CT scan, um, this one with contrast, which basically means that you drink something so that the insides of you will light up and they can see where everything is. And so they reconfirmed that they had found actually an eight centimeter mass in my right kidney. You know, obviously this was so shocking given that I have no history of cancer in my family. Pretty much everyone is relatively healthy, no major health scares. And so I, I just didn't really know how to respond. And I remember actually there was an influencer event that evening that I was admitted to the hospital and I thought, oh, well, let me just, let me just finish this IV and I feel fine. Let me go up to LA and go to the event. And my mom looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, well, you're not going anywhere. Um, and I was just sort of in this denial phase of, you know, everything's going to be fine. It's no big deal. I'll take a pill and it's fine. And it wasn't until actually 
after the surgery. So they ended up doing surgery on me and removing my right kidney as well as the tumor. And it wasn't until after the surgery that I actually started to process my feelings because I think at that time I was so busy with getting that diagnosis, seeing multiple doctors, um, scheduling the appointment for surgery, everything just moved so quickly. It didn't leave me a lot of time to be able to process everything that was going on. And it wasn't until after the surgery when I actually had to rest and I was sleeping all day that I actually had a moment to breathe and think about everything that had just happened because the span in which I was diagnosed and my surgery was about three weeks. So everything happened really quickly. Um, and so after, after the, the surgery, the recovery process was really the time when I had to not just physically recover, but also just mentally be able to recover. Wow, what a powerful story. So I guess it's um, good in a way that they were able to remove it, right? I think some people have to go through chemo and other treatments to try to kill off the cancer. I feel, I feel so thankful and so grateful that I got all of those symptoms all at once. And that prompted me to go to the doctor so that I got seen before anything spread. Um, I had actually talked to one of my doctors and doctors never really know, you know, the cancer has, the tumor has been in there for X amount of time. They don't really ever know those things, but my doctor said, you know, given the nature of kidney cancer and what you know, doctors have studied given his other uh, patients' history. And so the the basis of kidney cancer is that it's a little bit more slow growing. And so he said, given the size of eight centimeters and, you know, no family history, all these things, he said that it's actually probably been growing. His guess is about three years inside. And I had no, no, no idea. And what is so interesting about that is that, like I mentioned before, I lost my period three years ago. And so the timing of that I thought was so interesting. And the more that I kind of dived into that in traditional Chinese medicine, kidney and your reproductive organs and things like, like those are all connected And so it was definitely something where my body was maybe speaking to me before and I wasn't really listening um, and I wasn't listening closely. So I guess that's just kind of one takeaway for anyone that's listening is that if you do feel something that's a little bit off with your body, um, it's important to get to question it and it's important to get checked out and to be your best advocate when it comes to your own health, because you know, your body best. And, you know, I, I spoke to doctors before about, you know, it's fine that your period's missing. You know, my gynecologist said like, sometimes that just happens, but you know, sometimes if that answer doesn't feel satisfactory to you, it's okay to question it and it's okay to get a second opinion. And that's something that I wish that maybe I had done. I agree. Um, For me, as a mom of a special needs child, there are times when what the doctor says or recommends is different from my own intuitive feeling. I always go with my gut feeling. Now, that took me some time to learn that. But sometimes doctors don't know everything. And, you know, that's something that I want to I always tell women, even in your birth, like pregnancy, birth and labor experience, it's just really important to listen to your gut and really listen to your body because your body, our bodies tell us. Um, when something's not okay, and something's not right. It's so important. I think that's something I think we just tend to rely on outside voices, or we don't trust our intuition enough. Exactly. And and that's something that I, you know, want to talk about over and over. It's just, it's just something that I believe so strongly about. How did the processing of cancer, like once you recover, when you're in the recovery room, what did that look like? And how did that strengthen you? What did that teach you about life and, you know, finding your sense of purpose, you know, just your life journey in general? Yeah. I mean, the first and foremost thing that I think I practice now more than ever is just this simple act of gratitude. And I feel like sometimes when people see that or read that on social media, on Instagram, it can feel 
like one dimensional, like, oh, I'm grateful for life. You know, it feels a little bit flippant, but if you actually really think about it, there's so many things that everybody can feel grateful for. When I was recovering from my surgery, I wasn't able to walk. And um, I think a lot of times, actually, even, um, you know, women after giving birth, like a lot of times, like those simple things of like learning how to walk, getting core strength back, all of those things are really difficult. So then it takes you back to those times of like, wow, I actually, you know, do have the ability to walk and I do have the ability to be able to breathe. And you get to like actually appreciate all of these everyday things that maybe you didn't appreciate before. So I would say the act of gratitude is something that I really practice now. And I will also say that leaning on the right people. And I know we talked about support and community and girlfriends and all of that before, but I think it's so important, especially during quarantine as well, of really understanding who your support system is. I used to be the person who would always go all to go to all the parties. I would love, you know, having groups and groups of friends um, around all the time. But the thing is, is when you are in those moments where you feel weak, when you feel vulnerable, when you are going through a lot of really heavy shit. <laughs> your true friendships will always rise to the top. And there's always going to be, you know, groups and groups of people when you go out and when we're back in society or, you know, maybe in your circle right now. But think about those handful of people who check up on you, who ask you how you're feeling, who spend time with you, who give you the space to be able to express yourself in a non-judgmental way. Those are the people that you really want to keep close to you. And so that was another thing that I feel like I definitely learned. And also the power in asking for help too. Um, You know, a lot of times I like I mentioned, wasn't able to go out. It was hard for me to walk. So a lot of times friends would offer, or I would ask for friends to come visit me um, because that was just easier for me at the time. Those little things really matter when you're going through something that is traumatic or vulnerable in your life. And then I will also say that letting go of the BS in your life is also really important. So I feel like, you know, we're both on social media and I'm sure so many people can also relate in terms of comparing yourself to people who are online and seeing that other people have X, Y, Z. When you go through something that is so traumatic, I would say, and so heavy as something like cancer, you really put into perspective um, what actually matters. And so really tied into gratitude practice and all of that, but it really is all about letting go of, you know, all the things that you thought were important that really aren't. So if you're concerned about followers or likes or what your best friend is doing and what they have, and you know, that's not your life, start focusing on what you do have and you'll see your life shift. And if you start to remove certain triggers that you see in your life, you'll see more good energy and positive energy coming your way. So it's so amazing when I was listening to um, what you're sharing about, you know, how you found strength through your cancer journey. It's so similar to what I've discovered through my own motherhood journey. Even though our stories are different, for me, gratitude was key because my daughter takes medication for seizures every day. Um, a lot of kids with her diagnosis can't walk ever. So, and a lot of them aren't potty trained. They can't speak. So when, I, when my eyes opened to this reality like that a lot of people have to live with, it made me really grateful for every little thing. So a lot of parents are like, oh my gosh, it must be so hard. How do you, you know, how do you do it? But I see it as through her, I learned such a valuable lesson. And I really, truly learned how to find gratitude in everything, like even walking, being able to speak, process our information, being able to just live without medication is such a blessing. And when you really like get out of your own life and see the big picture and all the suffering and the challenges that people overcome, there's so much to be grateful for. And I also agree that finding the right support system is key. And I think as we get older, our circle changes and I see our challenges as a gift. It's a gift that teaches us who is good for you and who isn't. I personally went through that myself with, you know, my old friends or just, you know, not really family, luckily, but, you know, just people around me. 
And I think that's kind of part of transitioning into your 30s. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, life is all about an evolution. And I'll say that when I was in my 20s or even in my early 30s, I felt like, you know, if I had a friend, like that friend was going to be my friend for life. And that's not really how life is. And that's not really how friendships or relationships are. Like they all evolve in their own way. And sometimes relationships come and go, whether it's platonic or romantic. And that's okay. But there's always learnings along the way. And if a friendship sort of fades away, that's okay because it's leaving room for you to be able to cultivate the right friendships uh, in your life that you do need. I think it also teaches us very important life lessons on our own boundaries. It helps us to realize, okay, this is good. This is not good. This feels good. This does not feel good. It helps us to kind of shape what that looks like. So through all of this, What I find amazing about your journey is that you've turned your challenges and, you know, these um, obstacles that for most people would seem like it's the end of the world. You've kind of, you collected all those experiences and those stories to create something new, which goes back to your blog and your community. And I think that's amazing. And I think there are a lot of people like this who are currently going through challenges or obstacles in their lives and they want to do something with it. They want to help others, but they don't know where to start. Do you have any tips for people like that? For people that want to start to build a life that they want. I think one quote for me that I, or one mantra that I like to live by, um, and maybe it can be helpful for someone out there is just remembering that the quality of your life is in your own hands. So no matter what it is that you have gone through, no matter what cards have been dealt to you, a lot of times, you know, we can't help if something happens to us, but a lot of times also, you know, we create sort of situations in our head or, you know, we have our own limiting beliefs for, you know, what is capable for ourselves, but just to kind of go back to that feeling of, you have the power in your hands and it's whether or not you want to empower yourself to be able to take those first steps. So if you want to lead a life with more purpose, if you're feeling like maybe the career that you're in is not necessarily aligned to what your vision is, do some lifestyle planning. That's what I like to call it. You know, I think people call things financial planning and, you know, they talk about budgets and things like that. But I think lifestyle planning is really important. And that's when you actually sit back and think about what kind of life do you want to live? And what's really important to me and what I'm a huge proponent of is journaling and writing things down. Because I think that once you write things down, you put your thoughts into words and your words then become in action and you're able to manifest what your desires are. And once you start to see your desires, your dreams, your ambitions, all of these things on paper, the more likely they are able to actually come into fruition for yourself. So if anyone wants something that's actionable, I would say journaling and writing down your inner thoughts is a good way to be able to form some mental clarity, to be able to guide you to the path in which you want to live your life. You know, I had a guest on episode four, and I felt like as we had this discussion, like she's my soul sister, just because we come from totally different backgrounds and totally different experiences. But where she is at today, I can just totally resonate with. And I just felt like, wow, like you're like me, but just in a different body in a different place. I kind of have similar feelings about you where (laughs) our experiences are different, you know, um, our backgrounds are different. Yeah, I'm sure we have some similarities too. But a lot of the things that you're talking about right now, this is a conclusion I've come to through all the challenges that I've overcome. I'm big on journaling as well, because I think it really helps us to one, process our own emotions. And two, it really materializes those thoughts. And I think there's a difference between just thinking it and knowing it and actually writing it down. Definitely. And I do want to say that like, I feel so close to you as well. Even though our journeys are so different, like the way that we think and our background in terms of being Korean Americans, I think is so similar. It's kind of mind blowing just because, you know, this is also a lesson for anyone listening as well is that like, just connect with people that maybe you think that 
you know, your lives look so different and there's no way that you can connect on something, but you just never know kind of where connections and relationships and friendships can be. Um, you just kind of have to open yourself up to communicating and being open to a different world. And I think that comes with speaking our truth, right? Like how would we have found each other if we didn't speak our truth? You know, I'm sure there were a lot of fears and sharing your story, going on social media and just talking about all these experiences, especially as an Asian American was hard. And, you know, for me too, I went through a lot of difficulty and challenges just trying to talk about even special needs because that's a very, it's like almost taboo, like Asian, you know, people, Asian American families don't really talk about that. I've met a ton of, you know, moms, this is really sad where their children clearly have some type of issues that need to be addressed and they're in denial and they live in denial for years. I once tutored this girl. She was a freshman in high school and she should have been in a moderate to severe disability, you know, a class, which is totally fine. She was a beautiful person, but her mom couldn't accept the fact that she couldn't go to college. So she had all these tutors to like do her homework for her and pretty much do her work just so she can get that, you know, that high school diploma. And I came in as one of her tutors and that was a huge lesson for me. And that's where I realized I really need to help these kids, especially in, and I don't, I don't think this is only an Asian American thing, but it's huge in our Asian American community. We're so stuck in this, you know, like mentality where we can't be different Exactly. Yeah. I think that we are stuck in this world of shame. I mean, even for my family, of course, my immediate family knows that I had cancer, but my parents didn't tell a lot of my relatives that I had cancer because the thought was, well, we don't want to burden people with our problems. We don't want to air out the dirty laundry, like whatever that means, you know, and that's just doing such a disservice to kind of the journey and the pain and the experience that I'm going through or that you're going through. Um, and I think that we are all stronger and we can all support each other if we do, like you mentioned, speak our truth, because in that we'll not only be able to help others, but we're also helping our own internal healing as well. The burden thing is so huge. I also heard that a lot. It's a burden. You don't want to burden them, but you're not really burdening them. We're actually strengthening each other. We're sharing. We're really, I think you sharing your story of cancer and, you know, doing these very, you know, unique, like living this life as a independent single woman is so valuable to thousands if not millions of women out there, same thing with me sharing my, it's one, you know, my tiny story, my small story of having one special needs child, you know, my own personal story about having, you know, postpartum depression, anxiety can really help many people out there. We have no idea how many people like how powerful we are. We don't acknowledge how powerful our stories are and how powerful our experiences are. I think we can only, know that, begin to know that by speaking out. And when we speak out, we connect with like-minded people like, you know, like you and I, we connected through our stories. And, and I think in this way, this is how we make a difference. Exactly. You know, like one person at a time. Do you like, I can tell you resonate with that. (laughs) (laughs) You're in my thoughts right now. (laughs) Yeah. This kind of goes back to that purpose driven journey. You know, I think a lot of people nowadays are stuck in an unhappy job, a corporate job or unhappy marriage, or, you know, they're a mom and they're so tired, overwhelmed, and they're still struggling to find that purpose and that, that, you know, source of joy. And I believe everyone can find it. It's just a matter of trying, just taking those little tiny actionable steps every single day. Exactly. I think a lot of times people think that you get up, you go to work, you come home, rinse and repeat. And um, we're all kind of stuck in this sort of wheel of like, that is what life is. But if we take a mindful moment, and I know you and I are both so big on just mindfulness and like living with intention. I think if we actually just take a few minutes every single day and just start to even just dream, even just to kind of think in your mind, if you don't want to go into that step of journaling and writing things down, even just giving yourself a little bit of breathing space internally to think about the kind of life that you want to live, thinking about what your purpose is, what 
your passion is, what you're fueled by, I think can do so much to your overall happiness and contentment in life. Oh, and when I shared on my Insta story that I'm interviewing you, one audience asked, she wanted to know like how you really stepped away from your corporate career. Because I think that fear of, I think the fear is like maybe fear of failure. What if I have this great idea and what if it doesn't work? You know, the fear of the unknown. Yeah. How did you get over that? And what did you tell? Was there something you told yourself yeah. along the journey when things couple, weren't working out right away? Of course. Like, I'm not one of those people that just is so fearless. And I just was like, I'm just going to do it. And this is going to be great. I had that same feeling of what if this doesn't work out? What if, you know, this totally flops in whatever capacity that meant for me? But what's the alternative? The alternative is me being stuck in a corporate job where I was unhappy and I was crying and it was, you know, harming my mental and physical health. Is that alternative better or is it better to take the risk on myself and knowing that my strengths are that I'm a hard worker and that I give my heart into everything and knowing that I am just going to try 1000%. Like for me, when I kind of just weighed out both alternatives for me, it what it felt just so so much easier to lean into. Why don't I just go and try something that I'm good at? And you know, if the worst case is that it fails, for me, my plan B is well, I can get another job. It might not be the same job. It might not be as good of a job, or it might you know look a little different. It might take more time, especially given this climate and things like that. But it goes back to what's important in your life and what's the kind of life that you want to live. And I don't want to live a fear-based life. And I don't want to, you know, be, you know, one day when I'm older and thinking back on my life, I don't want to have those regrets of, I should have really tried out that idea, or I should have, you know, written more about these things, or I should have opened up and been more vulnerable and shared my feelings with people. I don't want to live in regret or fear. And so I'm trying to create a lifestyle in which I feel I can be personally proud of. So those are kind of the questions that I ask for myself. You are totally in my head as well, because that's exactly why I stepped away from, I had a teaching job. So my goal was to be an Asian American literature professor, minority discourse, because I thought that was the only way I can do something with my you know background and my talents. But I ended up through my daughter, through my life experience, I ended up trying like creating this brand new path of being a blogger, a content creator, like who knew this was even a thing? Who knew we can even turn this into a career? But I just like you said, I didn't want to be stuck in my fear. I love that message of like, what's the alternative? You're right. What is the alternative? I would have just been stuck at home, miserable, you know, knowing I can't I'm not cut out to be a full time stay at home mom. Like I knew that and felt that in my heart every single day. So just live like that, like that alternative doesn't seem any better. You know, it's, there's better, you know, yeah, it might be scary, but it's better to try. Another thing that really helped me to get through, get over that fear was the time passes anyway, whether I do something or I just sit on my butt and do nothing all day, the time is passing. So you can use your time doing things that, you know, that means something to you, even if the end result might not be exactly what you planned. But I know now, because I've been doing this, there's importance in that journey, like on that, that process can teach you so much too. So your end result might not be not be exactly what you've envisioned, but it's definitely getting you somewhere. It's moving you somewhere. It just may look different than what you originally planned. And that's okay. Exactly. Like giving your space, giving yourself that space to be able to evolve and not being so married to, well, my final goal is X. You know, if you let go of kind of the rigidity of what your goal or your dream is and just allow yourself freely to go in the direction in which you feel passionate and what you feel called to, it leaves you so much more room to be able to flourish and to grow in the direction in which you might not even know you need to go into. I completely agree. Wow, such an enlightening conversation. And you know, this is like a new question that I wanted to ask my guests. It's something that just occurred to me this morning. 
because I really believe in valuing the inner child in us. It was a big part of my healing. And I think this is something that will never end this constant, like acknowledging and loving that inner child, because I think there's a lot of um, secrets that that inner child holds. I believe that, you know, now as a mom, I'm even more sure of this, that we're kind of born with these amazing set of gifts and talents and abilities that we're meant to use to serve others. And that kind of goes back to your soul purpose. So I wanted to ask you, what did you want to do as a child? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, this is kind of a funny one. But I actually the first job that I ever really wanted was to be a librarian, because I just wanted to be around books. And I thought it was so cool. I thought all you did was a librarian was just read all the books that were in the library. And I thought that's what you did. And I just thought that was the coolest job. But I'll I'll say, even just thinking about that right now, I haven't thought about that in a a very long time, but um, I've just always been interested in learning and personal development and growth because if you're not learning on your own and you're not teaching yourself how to be a better person or giving yourself the skills to be able to do that, then who can? You know, that's so interesting because I used to love, like I used to play library like with my siblings I will force them to you know I would get my books and then I'll just grab a random like a card and I'll swipe books I thought that was the coolest things that like you know we had librarians back yes. then they'll swipe I thought that was like the coolest thing I wanted to do that that's so interesting so it seems like you were like a fan of like you were really into like collecting like learning and always exploring and like collecting knowledge yes right yeah. I was so into that too yeah, very much so. And, you know, um, yeah, we didn't really talk too much about it. Or I didn't mention it, but my career path has definitely gone five million ways. So I've had, you know, I don't know how many different jobs and some jobs I stay there for a month or two months or three months. And it's just, it was always kind of about self-exploration and finding what worked for me. Do you feel like what you're doing today is what you're meant to do? do you, have you discovered your sole purpose? I would say that my purpose definitely evolves over time and definitely according to sort of what my life is going through at the time. But the overall general theme in which I would love to empower other individuals to think about their health and well-being is definitely there. And a big part of that is also building community and letting people know that they are not alone in no matter where they are in their journey. And that's also why I created my membership community called You Are Here, which is all about meeting you where you are in your well-being journey. So, you know, I've talked about so many different areas around lack of self-worth and and self-confidence. And I've talked about, you know, being involved in fitness and cancer and all, you know, egg freezing and fertility and all these different things. And it's about this community is about creating the right community of people that are going through potentially the same things that you are, and also about creating resources for you so that you have the support that you need when you need it most. So there's support on fertility topics um, upcoming, or there's support on mindset uh, topics if you need mindset help, or things around uh, motivation around fitness and nutrition. And no matter where it is in your well-being journey, there are resources and support um, within that community that can help you. Are we able to join this community even right now during this age of social distancing? Yes. And that is what is so great because it's a purely digital platform. So all of the programming and resources and support tools are all digital. So you can download them and view them at any time. So let's say, you know, you're not super interested in fertility now, but perhaps in a year you will be. And that is always going to live within the community. So you'll be able to reference back to it. So um, I really wanted to create a wellness space that felt safe for anyone to join and also a space that is accessible. So as long as you have an internet connection, um, you'd be able to access. Wow. You know, again, I know I spoke about this before, but it really seems like you and I, we've come like we are, our life journeys sound so different, yet we're at the same place doing similar things with our community. I love that. Thank you so much for even creating that community. I would love to be a part of that community as well. 
Oh, that sounds great. So we'd love to have you. <laughs> so before we log off, um, are there any final words that you can say to women who may be struggling today to find self-care, to practice self-care, and what we can do to improve our health and wellness? Yeah, I mean, I think both of those questions kind of are intertwined in that what we can do is we can take care of ourselves first. And self-care is so important to your survival and ultimate your ability to be able to thrive in your life. Because I think that if we give, give, give so much to our families, whether it's a partner, our our parents, our siblings, our our children our friendships, we're just giving constantly to all of these outside areas. But when are we actually giving back to ourselves? And when are we actually creating the space for ourselves to be able to take care of our own needs? Because if we're constantly giving, we're going to feel depleted at some point, and we're going to run out of that energy that we need to be able to thrive in our day. So I would say absolutely having a self-care practice that makes sense for you. And I think that there's so much that's out there on social media, whether it's a bubble bath or a manicure or you know whatever it is, find out what works for you, whether that's building a morning routine or a nighttime routine or unplugging for a certain amount of time um, or even honestly, the not tangible things around building boundaries for yourself, that can be such a good form of self-care. So finding what your needs are and really leaning into that and giving yourself um, that space to be able to create self-care practices for yourself every single day. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I am so inspired by you. And wow, like seriously, just the amount of courage that you had through all your challenges. It's just so inspiring. So where can, where can the audience find you on social media? And can you give us your um, website address for your community? Yeah. Um, so on social media, it is at just dimple it. Um, my blog is the dimple life.com. And uh, my membership community is you are here community.com and the same Instagram handle of you are here community. And I will also list these handles and the website address in the show notes. I think right now is a perfect time for us to get together, to share our stories and to really just, you know, give each other courage. Like we're not in this alone. We're really here to do amazing things. And our stories have amazing power and yours clearly does. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to see you in person when social distancing is over. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You are my sunlight. Thanks so much for listening to Mommy Diary, the podcast. If you can relate to any of my stories, my hope is that you leave this episode feeling a little less alone and a lot more inspired. For more parenting and lifestyle stories, head over to my blog, mommy-diary.com or join me on Instagram at mommydiary. If you're loving this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. I love connecting with you, so send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear next. Talk to you next week.